This is the All Seven Days Podcast. I'm Stan. That's Trevor. How are we doing? We are doing just fine, Trevor. Uh, it's another day, another podcast, and uh, you just got back from vacation? I did. I went home. And when I say home, it's Fort Myers, Florida. Fort Myers. I've been to Fort Myers, and I think we've told this story before about the uh, them waking me up uh, with the fog duster airplane flying over the hotel yes, to kill the yes. mosquitoes yeah it's, i don't think they do that anymore or at uh, least I well they probably it. just adopted all of them as birds they yes. think they're all birds so how was the uh, how was the uh, vacation the vacation was excellent I had a really good time spent a lot of time with my family saw some of my friends and uh, just relaxed yeah. it, was re- it was nice to get away yeah that's cool you and you and jameson went jameson yeah and uh cool any uh, big events that you did down there? Uh, we went to the beach. Yeah. And it was like... Um, did you get the flesh-eating disease? That's no flesh-eating disease, but couldn't go out deep in the water because um, that tropical storm that it came through the Gulf oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, really messed up like the current and everything, so there was a riptide. I got you. And so uh, it was advised not to go too far out. I got you. That's, that's wise. That's wise. And you went to a water park as well. Did go to a water park. So you were just wet the entire time. Well, yeah, we stayed wet the entire time. Was it was it more moist or was? It... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, no, it was a drenched, uh, <laughs> not moist. Not moist at all. <laughs> Sorry, uh, running jokes are the best. Yes, sometimes. it is. Uh, cool. Well, this is the All Seven Days podcast where we take your questions and answer them from the perspective of a couple of church members just having a conversation about spiritual matters. You can get your question in at askatall7days.com or voicemail or text 864-660-9473 or join the All Seven Days Hangout on Facebook. Uh, we'd love to continue the conversation with you there. You can support the podcast, all7days.com slash donate or slash shop. Order your All 7 Days mugs and help us out in becoming a 501c3 organization and uh, see if we can get some other public, uh, publications out there, such as a possible daily devotional podcast. We're still working on that. Hey, uh, I checked the... Uh, I checked the uh, the website for the podcast the other day. We have a listener now. I, don't, I can't say listener now in in a specific country. I, we may someone has listened from Mongolia. Mongolia. Maybe they were just hiking through. I'm and afraid had of their headphones. You know on. that's that's right out. Of, it's just north of China, right? So I'm afraid that uh, if I say too much about it, they may get arrested or something. I don't yeah. know. If they're supposed to be listening to that kind of stuff over there. <laughs> I don't know if that's it. If it's a, that's legal. I think that's North Korea. Well, China, I mean, China's, China. Yeah. China is pretty uh, pretty tight on Christians. They they allow them as long as they're registered with the state, yeah. and uh, but they're very restricted in what they Aren't can. You glad we don't have do. to register with the state to be a Christian. Amen. That is, uh, we are uh, we're very blessed to to live in this country and be able to have the freedoms that we do. Uh, hopefully, we can hang on to them for a little longer. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so too. All right, we're going to take a quick break. This is the All 7 Days Podcast. Hey, pastors and church administrators, listen to this. All 7 Days is proud to be partnered with Faith Teams. Faith Teams is a web-based church management software with all the features your church needs and price so that any church can afford it. It's packed with features including attendance tracking, attendance tracking, 
kids check-in, volunteer scheduling, automated guest follow-up, contributions, online giving and text to give, built-in email and text messaging tools, and a whole lot more. Best of all, it's all in one single system at a price that makes sense. They have a free 14-day trial so you can try the entire system before you pay a dime. Keep it in pages $40 a month. That's right, $40 a month for every available feature. Go to all7days.com slash faithteams to learn more and use the links provided for your free 14-day trial. When you sign up, tell them All 7 Days sent you. Faith Teams, the easy and affordable church management software. What happens when a theology nerd who builds guitar pedals, his pastor, and a Lutheran guy from Nebraska get together on a weekly basis? The Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, that's what. The Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast explores the Christian faith, practice, and worship through the lens of Sola Scriptura and Tota Scriptura, comparing and contrasting what God says to popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world. You can even join in the discussion in the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge Facebook group And make sure you subscribe to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast right now on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. This is the All 7 Days Podcast. Welcome back. Uh, Stan and Trevor here talking about uh, a new question that we have from a listener. This is Chris's question. Chris writes in and says this, Communion was instituted by our Lord Jesus Christ. It is an important church sacrament. Why are so many churches these days not partaking as often as they come together? And that is, that's a really good question. Um, so uh, I, think we, I think we need to lay some groundwork here. Um, and remember and kind of define what, what this communion is. Mm-hmm. What, what is it really? And uh, if we do it at all, do we do it right? That sort of thing. So... Uh, the first thing I would say is that when when Jesus instituted this Lord's, we, some people call it Lord's Supper, some people call it communion, the Lord's Table, whatever whatever is whatever terminology you want to use for that, it was they were celebrating the Passover. So, um, if you remember what the Passover was, it was the celebration of the Israelites being freed from slavery from Egypt. Right. So we had the plagues that came on Egypt, and the last one was the death angel killed all the firstborn in all of Egypt, except for those people, uh, Israelites mm-hmm. mainly, who had uh, obeyed the instructions of Moses, killed a lamb, put the blood on the doorposts, and uh, the death angel, when he came and saw the blood, he passed over that household. Therefore, the name Passover. Mm. And they celebrated that every year at the same time. And, uh, and Jesus, the, the, uh, the, the week before he was crucified, uh, the, actually the, the night before he, they arrested him, they celebrated this together. And during this time, uh, it's recorded in, in three of the Gospels. I'll read the one in Matthew. Um, he says, it says this, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until 
the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So here we have Jesus taking the Lord, taking Passover and turning it into something different mm -hmm. and making it a memorial service of the sacrifice that he's about to make. Right. So we can see, first of all, the first thing I kind of like to point out is that the Passover was a pointer mm -hmm. to something better that was to come. It was right. it was to remember what was in the past, but it was also pointing towards something that was coming. And that was basically uh, Jesus' crucifixion. And he turns the bread and the wine into his body and blood. Not literally, but uh, symbolically. Symbolic, yes. Yes. Um, that, uh, and... And this kind of this kind of explains some pretty controversial things that Jesus said uh, earlier in his ministry as well, and we'll get into that here in just a little bit. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record um, this episode in a very similar fashion. I think I think Luke actually switches the cup first and then the bread big deal you know it's just a you know again we're, we're talking about the same event mm -hmm. uh, but he just mentioned them in reverse order but still both same the, the same things were said over each and um, and it's interesting that John does not record it but what John does record <laughs> is uh, a pretty long text that we'll get into here in just a bit about uh, him talking about how should I say this, uh, eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Mm -hmm. And you may remember that in John 6. Um, and and we'll, we'll, I, I don't know, it's, it's a lot of text. I'll probably, I'll probably, the, probably the only way to do it just is just to read it. Right. And, uh, and, we'll, and we'll look at that, and then we'll get back to Chris's question. I just want to lay the groundwork of what Jesus is really talking about here and the importance of this event. So, John 6, starting in verse 22, says, On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Now, this is the uh, Jesus walking on water. It's, this just happened. He had just fed a bunch of people from loaves and fish, that sort of thing. Other boats from Tiberias uh, came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus gets pretty rough right here. He says, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. He's referring back to when he fed the, the big crowd with a couple of loaves and two mm -hmm. fish, or whatever that count was, I don't remember. Uh, he says, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the fo food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. So right now he's, he's telling them, if you, if you want to be right with God, you've got to believe in me. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? 
what work do you perform? Now, he had just fed them with a couple of fish and a couple of loaves of bread, 5,000 people, men, not not to count women and children. Now they're asking for a sign. They had just eaten their fill of all this stuff. That's not enough. Apparently not. What sign do you do? And our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. (laughs) It just blows my mind. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He's he's starting to talk about himself here. He is the true bread from heaven. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And here's where it gets a little controversial, where where they start to have some real issues. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I say to you, I said to you, that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. He's obviously here referring to, they've seen the sign that they've already asked, they asked for a sign, that they already had a sign. And he's telling them, you're obviously here just to get another handout. You don't. You, you've seen the sign. You don't believe in me. It's it's my father's will that those who do believe in me, I will not lose. And obviously, you're not them. Right. And uh, so it says here in verse forty-one. So the Jews grumbled about him, proving his point. Right. Because he said, "I am the bread that came down from heaven." And they said, "Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven?'" Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will be all they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the man in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that no one may eat of it and not die. So that one may eat of it and not die. Sorry. Uh, I I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for life, for the life of the world, is my flesh. So here he's getting more specific. Mm -hmm. You got to partake of meat. Right, And the Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said, this, said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day, for my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him as the living Father sent me, 
and I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, and all, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. And I'll stop right there for just a moment, just to just to emphasize that, you know, Jesus, while while the while the Passover scene is not recorded in John, he really gets really deep into what he's really talking about mm -hmm. when he instituted the communion service. Right. Uh, he's talking about um, being so entwined or in 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 relationship with Jesus that. Um, the phrase "you are what you eat" right. really comes to fruition here. Right? We we really want to feast on the words of God, the words of Jesus, the life of Jesus. We uh, we must have His blood applied to us, or we are not in right relationship with Him, and therefore in really deep trouble. Right. Um, you know, we're, we we would be under the wrath of God. And here's where the turning point comes for these people. Uh, in verse 60, it says, When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? And they're right. It is a hard saying. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. It's pretty obvious here what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about, at the end of this thing here, uh, some people are not going to believe, mm -hmm. and some people are. And... Um, he also says that um, you can't come to him unless it's granted by the Father. So, um, so what does that mean for us? What what does that what does that tell us about our walk with God? Well, I mean, if I had to take a wild guess, <laughs> um, quick stab at it, you're might not get into heaven, you know, might not get to be with Jesus if you don't have that relationship or you're developing that relationship or you're not believing or you have little or no faith. Yeah. You, you, if you have no faith, you will not get into heaven. Correct. Um, and just, but what is faith? Where does that come from? It's <clears throat> the way I think, think of faith is, Believing in something that you can't necessarily see or touch, but you know that it's real. Right. And do demons have that belief? I don't know. I haven't met any. Yeah. Well, the Bible says that they do. Okay. And that so they they believe, now whether or not they can see God or not, I don't know. 
But it says the demons believe and they tremble because mm. they know. just knowing is not enough. Right. The comforting thing that I hear, that I see here is, it says, no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. This is a work of God mm -hmm. in the hearts of men that he calls, and the ones he calls, they are granted. And the ones that are granted, they come. Right. This is all a work of God who gives us faith when we believe it's his work that does it, mm -hmm. right? So, so if you're walking in faith and you see this thing that he's instituting here as a, a very sacred thing that we're practicing, that we are partaking in the, the broken body of Christ and applying his blood to us inside and out right. to cleanse us from sin, when we see that service come and partake in it in a way that that brings us to all humility, recognizing there is nothing in ourself that could earn this, and recognizing it is all his work that saves us, then I think we can approach it in the correct manner. Right? It says examine yourself. Don't. Uh, I've got another scripture here um, where Paul is talking about this and uh, how, how it was instituted. And it says, uh, whoever therefore eats, uh, this is, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 11, starting verse 27, whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, uh, eats and drinks judgment on himself. And then it goes on to talk about some of the consequences of doing that. It doesn't mean, he talks about people are weak and ill because they have done this. Some have died, he says. But if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But then we are judged by the Lord and we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So this is, I mean, when we come to the, when we come to the, the, to take communion in a church service, it is, it is a super serious, super solemn moment mm -hmm. where it's, it's really the time where we really look inward deep to see the, the darkness of our hearts and the unworthiness of the moment that we are not worthy to partake of this. But yet in His grace, He has provided it for us. Mm -hmm to remind us again and again of the gospel of the cross and the grace of the cross that has uh, afforded us this moment in time. And it's a great reminder of what God's done with us. Paul talks about in Romans 1 how he is eager to preach the gospel to Christians. Now, why would you think he would need to preach the gospel to Christians? They're already saved. Because we need reminding right. of what the gospel is. We need, to, we need to be reminded all the time of what God has done for us uh, because we are so quick to forget right. and so quick to think that we've earned something or so quick to think that God owes us something and the opposite is true and we need to be reminded of it all the time that we were we were lost we were blind we were dead in sin and God raised us up uh, just just for the fact that he he wanted to do that and and caused it to happen
So, uh, so that's what communion is. Now, Chris's question is, why don't churches, and this is, this is the part you get to answer. Yeah, all right. <laughs> this, so Chris's question is, why don't we partake of this as often? I've got, I've got my opinions on it. I, don't, I really don't know for sure, but right. I have some opinions on it. But why would you think churches don't do this very often? I mean, our church does it maybe once a quarter, quarter. I think it is. Right. Uh, and sometimes we miss it, mm-hmm. right? So it's it doesn't seem to be a front burner thing. Right. And I know other churches do it every week. I every grew, week. I grew up in a Methodist church. Um, it could just be our church. I, I'm not mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, but we would at, we would do it at least one time a month. Okay. And I, I believe it would be that first Sunday of the of each month. Okay. Um, but getting back to the question. Why do churches not do it? Um, we talked about this early, early podcast about how um, churches have been Americanized. Mm-hmm. That would be my first thought is um, we're trying to change the way church is ran to um, make everybody happy. So maybe mm-hmm. taking that out and just sticking to you know the, the routine – um, that would be my guess. I think there's something to that. I, I think that's a very valid point. Um, we have uh, we have created our agendas mm-hmm. for church services and what they should look like and what they should be like. And there are, I mean, this is definitely an interruption to that, right? Right. It takes it takes a little while to do this. Um, uh, why do you think so? When 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 Jesus instituted this, uh, they were celebrating a meal. Right. It was not just a, a cracker and a little shot glass of grape juice. Right. Um, why do you think we have reduced it to that instead of it being a meal? Because in another in another scripture, Paul reprimands a certain church because they have they have so much food and wine that people are coming and getting their fill and getting drunk before others have a chance to partake in it at all. So they they obviously were having a meal. Mm-hmm. They weren't doing it right, but um but they were they they were at least had <laughs> maybe a loaf of bread a piece right. and a bottle of wine maybe I don't know, but there was uh there was a definite difference in how they did it then. Mm-hmm. How the Jews still celebrate Passover now and to what we've turned it into in a church service. Mm-hmm. And, and that, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just, there's, there's a definite difference there. Probably a convenience factor. Got to believe so. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, cost factor. Yeah. Um, I thought also popped in my mind that just a little off the question you just said, but, um, another reason why churches might do away with it is, um, say it's, uh, you have a lot of new people mm-hmm. that don't know the depth of what right. communion really is. Mm-hmm. And so we'll just do away with communion. That way we don't have to kind yeah. of dig deep into it. It's very uh, surface level church type stuff, you know, right? don't dig deep into the yeah, scriptures and stuff like that. A lot of, a lot of them, again, the Americanized church mm-hmm. has turned into something that's very, um, I get they would call it welcoming, 
mm-hmm. and and very uh, open to unchurched people, which I think is fine. Uh, but in that move, I think I think you're right. I think there's a I think there's a a step away from the things that are uh, as deep as they could be. Right. right? And and uh, so the uh, maybe the education about what this really is and the seriousness of it mm-hmm. is something that that churches and pastors maybe have said, you know, it doesn't really say how often we should do this, so we're going to take some liberties with it and push it back because it's not as open and welcoming. Maybe it feels a little weird Mm -hmm. to people who are just coming into church for the first time. The first time they come, we're doing this strange communion thing, and they don't know what's going on. Yeah, they don't know what's going on. It kind of be a turnoff or they don't feel welcome. I've been in... um, Catholic Church, and I think they only did communion for Catholics. Yes. So if you weren't yes. Catholic, you couldn't partake correct. in it. That's correct. Which I thought was very strange, but well, um, yeah. But if you but if you know the Catholic Church, you think well, that's perfectly normal mm-hmm. because that's the way they do it. Right. And we say in our church that if you're a Christian, you're welcome to partake, right? Which I think is, uh, which I think is is more correct in my own opinion. Mm-hmm. Um. But um, but you're right. So you know, if you're if you're Catholic, you would say to your non-Catholic friends, "We're we're doing mass today," right. and, and but but since you're not Catholic, you're not welcome to participate. Yeah, it's I think that's out, like, that's yeah. normal. Yeah, that's normal for them. Right. But I, but to you, being non-Catholic, showing up and not being allowed to participate in that, I had no desire to go back. <laughs> True. Yeah. I mean, so. Yeah. Uh, I, like you said earlier, our church does something. Well, I think we do communion once a quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you gave us these scriptures with what it was a meal. I would like to see something like, like a big, like that week that we're going to do communion. Why not make it like a, a big event where we're, we are breaking bread and mm-hmm. drink, not drinking wine. We don't have to drink wine, but right. make it a bigger deal. Yeah. Because I don't think people really know the extent or how deep communion really is. Yeah. I, I I don't think anybody really does. I mean, the we you know there's there's so much more that we just don't understand right. that that Jesus was doing, but he has revealed what he's revealed, right? Mm-hmm. And and it is a it is a big deal. Mm-hmm. It is a major event for a Christian to partake, be able to partake in this, and we have turned it into you know a. a a cracker and a yeah, and it's a thimble. It's of, not a big juice. deal anymore. Which, it's really not. It's really yeah. not. And and I, I, you know, what what would it take? And here's the other thing: the first one he did when he instituted it was done on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. Now the later examples we see in the New Testament, they were doing it on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. Jews used to meet on the sab- on the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. They went to synagogue on Saturday, but. When Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday, the first day of the week, that's when that became the Christian's day to gather. And as a matter of convenience, I'm assuming they were they were coming together for worship anyway. They they just had their their meal together. Uh, we probably didn't 
They probably didn't limit church to an hour on Sunday. They didn't do multiple services. They were all together in one place. They were probably there for the day. Mm. It's not like they could jump in their car and drive 30 miles the other direction to go to Target or wherever or to go pick up lunch somewhere. They're going to be together for a while. So they've got time for the meal. They've got time for a worship. They've got, they got, they got the day, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so, so yeah, we, we've, we've really convenienced the gospel, haven't we? (laughs) That's what it seems like is, um, we're just doing surface level type things instead of digging deep into the real meaning of communion. I think that would be beneficial. I think the day of communion you read the the scripture and mm-hmm. what it truly means, the right. deep meaning of it. Um, I think you could impact a whole lot more people yeah. if you really, um, instead of just say, you know, eat, eat this cracker and remember me. Like, right. That that just flies over a lot of people's head. Right. They don't yeah. they don't think of Jesus every time they eat a cracker. You know, it's right. just all right. This is what they're telling me to do, so I'll do it. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right. So, um, so yeah. So churches out there, uh, put together, uh, put together a communion meal for your congregations, and really spend some time digging into what it is and what it's for, and and really, um, really dig into it yeah. and make it a very, very special, solemn event when you do it. Uh, um, you know, you can't I, with our with our Americanized way of doing things and our and our you know, people drive a good way sometimes for church. I don't think it would be convenient to do that all the time. Right. Um, but I know some churches that do the, the cracker and juice every week and, and but they're just they're expecting that every week mm-hmm. and so they, they plan it in and they have that very well choreographed so that's not a it's not a it's not a huge time consumption thing. Mm-hmm. But there again, if you really wanted to dig deep into it, I think you would need to take some time with it. I think we should put a question out just to anybody listening that you just to hear their ideas of how, what they think these church, not these churches, but what churches could do to um, kind of deepen people's understanding of communion. Maybe right. they could post that on right. uh, on Facebook. I, I'm I'm uh, I'll be glad for Bradley to poke into this yes. one as well because he I know they just did some revamping things around communion for their church. Uh, they're not doing it every week. I'm not sure. If, I'm not even sure they're doing it once a month. But they, when they do it, they've they've really done some changes recently to talk a, a little deeper about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I know they 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 put it off for a while because uh, as I've heard Bradley talk about this in the past that they were having it it was it became just uh, routine, mm-hmm. and he didn't like that. He didn't right. want that, so they stopped doing it for a good while. And when they brought it back, they put some real, um, some real thought and some liturgy behind it, and uh, really, t- you know, it wasn't just a quick snap the cracker and pop the juice. It was a, a real prayerful, solemn ceremony right. that they put together. I'd love to hear his thoughts yeah, on that. It'd be interesting to just get that in-depth perspective yeah. on how churches decide what they're going to do or how they're going to handle communion. Right. So other pastors and teachers and folks out there, we'd love to hear your thoughts on that as well. So 
uh, hit us up at uh, askatall7days.com or send us a voicemail or text eight six four six six zero nine four seven three. Hit us up on the Hangout and Facebook. Let us know what you guys are doing and uh, how you feel about uh, where we've gone with communion and what we should do about it. Yeah, I think that's really good. All right. Well, uh, we will wrap it up there. Hopefully, Chris, that answers your question. Uh, I think the Elton answer there is we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. Uh, so that's cool. But uh, keep sending those questions in. Ask at all seven days dot com. Voicemail or text again eight six four six six zero nine four seven three. Uh, all seven days hangout on Facebook and uh, let others know about the podcast. Leave us a review on iTunes. We would appreciate it. Uh, and support us all seven days dot com slash shop or slash donate. Get your coffee mugs and uh, look for something new in the merchandise very soon. We're we're going to do a trial run of mm. something. Uh, very soon so keep an eye out for that all right thanks again for listening this is the all seven days podcast where the goal is to make you think so highly of god that you forget about yourself now go give someone what you value most today